0: This is Inspiring Sports Stories with Mark Duffield on SEM. Thanks to Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything.
1: Welcome to Inspiring Sports Stories. Thanks to Bower and O'Day. And today we're going to talk to one of my favourite footballers, Adrian Fletcher, who played for four clubs over a 230-odd game career, was a very good player at all clubs. And uh and certainly a fascinating player to watch. Fletch, welcome to Inspiring Sports Stories.
2: Thanks, Mark. Yeah, good rap. Yeah, that I like that. Yeah, good. The rapid start. <laughs> that's the <laughs> that's the last
1: nice thing I'll say about you over the next forty minutes or so, mate.
2: Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> let's I'm waiting.
1: Let's let's go back to the start. You were born on October 10, sixty nine, and You started your football journey in Tasmania at Glenorchy. Tell us about that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Look, I went right through the ranks in the the juniors um, from seven years right through to Glenorchy um, as a 17-year-old. Played my first uh, senior game there. And then we played in the losing grand final that year. The next year, uh, I was lucky enough to win the the William Leach medal, which was the medal of the the league. Um, We played another losing grand final, but I got drafted um, to Geelong at pick twenty, so um, never left Tassie until that point where I had an opportunity to go to the uh, BFL AFL. Then in those days.
1: So, what was junior footy like in Tasmania back in the in the seventies, early eighties?
2: Oh look, it was it was fantastic because you used to get the the new socks, the new shorts, and uh, and play for your colours week in week out. Uh, it was a nine o'clock start, so. You're basically kicking the dew off the ground. Um, your knees were pretty pretty cut up because of the frost. Um but uh you still loved it. You loved the the smell of the leather, um you loved being around your your mates and um you didn't know that the journey where it was gonna take you, but it was just it's just what, what footy is about, I reckon.
1: Was it always footy for you, Fletch, or were there other sports when you were a kid?
2: Um, I I did try cricket, but I got too bored. I ended up being the wicketkeeper, so you're involved in the game all the time, but I I didn't really uh, get into that. I did try a bit of basketball, which was great for your decision-making in footy, um, but the passion for me was watching the winners, watching the uh, VFL, and uh, going to watch Gwenaulke play, where I'd go and watch on a a 2 o'clock start game on a Saturday.
1: So who was running around for Glenorchy in those days and who was Glenorchy playing against? In what, what competition were you in?
2: Well, that was the TFL. So they played, it was a really tribal, uh, it was called the TFL in those days. That so was the Southern and then they expanded to the Northern with the Northern teams coming in. That was a statewide competition. But the guys that I, uh, John Kluge, he ended up going to Richmond. Andy Lovell, he went to, um, to Melbourne and then West Coast. Um, Danny Ling, uh, he was one of the greats around the footy club there. Uh, Roland Curley, Gary Minton, uh, Dean Coleman. It was it was a lot of people that we looked up to. David Pearce ended up going to um and out at Essendon, but he he ended up getting homesick. Well, that's what happened with a lot of the boys. But um, the culture was just it was just um, everybody wanted to be around the footy clubs when I grew up. Everybody.
1: So. Obviously, Tasmania had a very rich heritage of producing great players in the in the sixties and seventies. Who were the, some of the better known ones that came through the system at Glenorchy?
2: Ah, uh, well, you'd, you'd have to say Peter Hudson. <laughs> he was probably one of the greats that come through there. Rocket E. Rodney Ed come through Glenorchy. Yep. Who um, was uh, Darren Krezel? Actually, started Glenorchy and then went to North Hobart, and then he he went into Sydney. Um trying to think the other guys that come through that system at Gonorky. They're probably the main ones. They're the ones that um, that I can remember.
1: Describe the style of footy in Tasmania in those days. Would have been a bit physical, wouldn't it?
2: It was very physical. If you if you didn't like getting the hardball gets you weren't gonna be you weren't gonna survive at that level because um that postage stamp sort of grounds, especially North Hobart where the Grand Final, it's probably one of the smallest grounds in Australia. Um and if you wanted to um be a good player in that level, you had to win your own ball. And that, that really taught you some great habits to play at the AFL level, which you don't know until till you get there. So um yeah, you had to win your own footy.
1: And I remember you as a bloke who I think you're about a hundred and what, about a hundred and eighty, maybe one hundred seventy nine centimetres tall, but you played really tall for your size if you like you're a great mark where did that trait come from
2: yeah it's that's a great question because there was little things i did in my own my own around my yard that now i understand why 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 i could be a good mark with the perception um i used to roll it up onto the roof of, of my house and it was that see-through um uh roofing space so you could actually see the ball roll down and you had to jump at the highest point to try and take the mark and i did that for hours and hours and hours and now i know what that actually did for me um going forward as a as a marking player at as a, at this a 178 it was all about timing because i wasn't the most powerful guy but if you take the ball at the highest point it always makes you look that you have got this big leap <laughs> and it um it put me in good stead it really did it gave me the confidence the knew that i i um done a lot of, what they call it, uh, muscle memory to, to, to be able to be a marking player.
1: Now, obviously, there were national junior competitions going around that stage. Did you play Teal Cup or anything like that on your way through?
2: Yeah, I, I played till Cup, but I was um, I was always a smaller kid. Like, um, I, I, I I grew late. I, I didn't really mature until I was about 18. So in those early days, 16, I I wasn't an anti-level, had the muscly bodies or any of that, so... It took me time, but I played in all those state games, uh fifteen right through to sixteen. Um, and then I really blossomed when I was seventeen, eighteen, it really started to be the body size that you could you could start to dominate that that level.
1: Who would you be running into when you were playing interstate competitions? Who is in your generation nationally?
2: Ah, uh, that's that's a very good question. Um I mean, I remember that big Keys. Remember that big Keys that played at—I um, can't remember his first name. He was a high pick at Collingwood. Terry Keys. dominate. Yep. Terry. Yeah, Keys. that's him. Yep. Yeah, he's to dominate the the carnivals, and he ended up only playing about fifteen, twenty games for Collingwood. So there was a lot of early blossomers, and then there was a lot of guys that um, didn't dominate those those carnivals, but went on and had great careers. So yeah, he's probably one. I uh, remember Sean Smith used to take a hanger every week for Canberra. He used to play for Canberra. Yep. Um, there was a lot of guys that obviously had great careers. Um, Kingay, um, all those sort of guys that we played against.
1: How old were you when you started playing senior footy for Glenorchy? I
2: was seventeen, so I walked in um, as a seventeen. I played all the juniors. Played the under nineteen's grand final the year before, and then um, they played me the seniors every game uh, the next year, which was twenty four games plus finals, and then the year after I played every game as well. So I ended up ended up winning best and fairest at, at my own footy club at Um Yeah, as I said, and I, I was lucky enough to win the medal at an eighteen year old.
1: So that's the Leech Medal. The Leech Medal was quite a big thing um, back in those days, wasn't it? It was um, obviously it's the the Tasmanian equivalent of the Sandover or the Brownlow?
2: Yeah, very similar, very similar, yes. And that was the strongest league, um, TFL. That was the, the big league that most of the guy good players would come down from the north of the state and play in that league, the TFL. So it was a very tough competition.
1: You were taken at pick 20... 20- in the 1988 AFL draft by Geelong, when did AFL footy first come, or would have been VFL footy back then, but when did that first come on the radar for you?
2: Um, I used to watch it, like we play on, on the Saturday at 2 o'clock and the winners would be about 5 o'clock, which was the best games would go, they do the best games out of Melbourne about 5 to 6 o'clock and I'd always watch it. And 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 it and it, and it, and it uh, really started that crave to to want to get to the mainland. Um, and then obviously, as an eighteen-year-old, you're you're in your drafts. You can see a lot of Tassie boys have been taken. Brendan Gale, um, Phoebe Brothers. So you knew that they the Tassie people were actually going to the mainland. It was about getting somebody interested in you. And um, I was lucky enough to have a really good year, in my eighteen year. So. Um, I had about five or six clubs who were really keen on me to, to, to get me to Melbourne.
1: How did you find out that Geelong had taken you pick twenty? Because I'd imagine the draft would have been wouldn't have been the media event that it is now.
2: No, what, what they used to do, they used to. Um, it was on the radio, so and there was no mo- mo- ringing on a mobile phone. I remember the day that the draft was on. I, I went for a run in the morning. And then basically, um, it was on the radio as I was driving back home that um, I was lucky enough to be taken. So that's how he found out. And then obviously the phone call, phone call would come through from the from the um it's a long footy Jeff Gannon, uh, what's his name? Um, I think it was uh, Cannon. I think his name was. Yep. It was the CEO, and he rang me and. Uh, and told me that were, I was lucky enough to be picked up. And then they'd jump on a plane and come over and they'd try and sign you up when they walk in your house, basically put a contract in front of you.
1: We'll come back. We'll take a break now. We'll come back and talk to uh, Adrian about his journey, which starts at Geelong but takes him through St Kilda, Brisbane, and Fremantle before the end of his AFL career. This is Inspiring Sports Stories, thanks to Bauer and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything.
0: This is Inspiring Sports Stories with Mark Duffield on SEM. Thanks to Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything.
1: Welcome back to Inspiring Sports Stories. Thanks to Bower and O'Day. And we're talking to Adrian Fletcher former Geelong, St Kilda, Brisbane and Fremantle midfielder and then, of course, a highly accomplished assistant coach at AFL level following that. Fletch, Geelong took you at pick 20 in the 1988 National Draft, which means that you were at the Cats in 89 when they made a grand final. Tell us about your early years at Geelong. Yeah, no, it was...
2: it was. It was um... Definitely uh, daunting when you walked into a VFL AFL club. Um, you've seen these people on TV, and and the first one that comes to mind is Gary Abbott. So he's a he's a man mountain. Um, then you had uh, Paul Couch, Mark Besto, you know, Barry Stone, Gary Hocking, Andrew Views. So that they had a lot of talent at that footy club. And and then Blighty basically was was the coach. That was his first year, '89. And and the pre season were was three nights a week. We started about five thirty and we we'd knock off about nine o'clock at night. <laughs> so and you had to work during the day. I was a plumber by trade during the day, so a lot of a lot of um long long grinding hours but really enjoyable, loved it. Um and they ended up playing in the grand final that year and probably nearly snatched it.
1: So how tough was it and and what was it like matching wits sort of doing you know match practice against the likes of of, of Ablett and uh and those types of people yeah
2: i remember um i played on gary hawking in my first practice game and he he'd just come back from a knee uh 12 months out of the game so everybody was on edge because Blighty was the new coach everybody wanted to express and uh, impress sorry um and the games were like, um, they were tribal with your own teammates. You know, eye-gouging and it was brutal. And I, I'm lucky I was a Tassie boy because, I, you know, you're you, you growing your way in, down there in Tassie and it probably put me in good stead. It, it didn't plus for me. Um, but you're up against some uh, elite players of the game and they were very, very, um, very physical uh, match practice. And there was about 60 on the list. You can imagine everybody was trying to get a spot on the list, and um, it was the strong survive basically. That's about it. It was strong a very
1: survive. it was a very strong midfield, wasn't it? You mentioned Bearstow, Paul Couch. I think won the Brownlow in 1989. Gary Hocking yeah. there too. But yeah. you actually cracked it for eight games in 1989, and you were in the team very yeah. late in the season. You had a run. You played basically from round 14 to round 20. What was that like? Given the, what was happening at the club
2: at that time. Oh, it was exciting. It was my chance to... Um, they played me as a half-forward and I'd get small small snippets inside when Couchy needed a rest. Um, and I started to get a bit of momentum. And then round 20, uh, it was 21, I think. I've done a... Um, i have done I did miss out on the team in round 21, but I did a uh, stress fracture in my foot and that put me out for the whole rest of the season. So I didn't even get a chance to cross spot for the finals and that was probably the hardest thing, you know, he went through the whole year but he didn't get a chance to um fight for a spot in the final series.
1: After everything that happened in nineteen eighty nine, you felt like Geelong were, were really going somewhere in nineteen ninety and it and it never quite worked out for them, did they? You played nine games that season, um but yeah, it was played, a dis, it was a disappointing year for the Cats.
2: Yeah, no, it didn't end up the way that they wanted us. Um yeah, we just lost a bit of momentum. We played that style of more goals in the opposition, um, and it worked really well for the first year. But obviously, teams started to work it out a bit. And um, if you, if you have a bad game and you lose the ones that you should have won, um, yeah, you just lost that momentum going into the next year. Um, I, I I played nine, so I didn't get a lot more than my first year. But um, yeah, I was making inroads. I think I won the best and fairest in the twos, but. That's not always a great thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> when,
1: when did you get the? When did you start to get the inkling that it may not pan out for you at the Cats? Because you were you were down to six games in nineteen ninety one before moving on.
2: Yeah, I, I just knew that, that that midfield was pretty well set. Um, it was going to be hard to to find a find a spot. There was Shawny Denham there as well, Robert Scott. Um, there's a lot of those little guys around that area. I, I, I um, played really good form in in the reserves, but wasn't getting games. So, and we come to the end of the year and had a conversation with Blighty, and, and and we sort of said that it's probably going to be better for me to try another opportunity. And um, that's when um, Peter Hudson, who was the footy manager at St Kilda, rang me and asked me to to um, if if I'd want to come to St Kilda. So the, 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 there was one door closed and the next one opened, basically, for me, so you had to take it.
1: And it was an exciting time to be at the Saints, wasn't it? They haven't had a lot of success over their time, but um, that was a period under, um, I think it was under Ken Sheldon, wasn't it? And they were certainly making yeah. ground on the competition and playing finals.
2: Yeah, yeah, you know, we played finals that year. It was, um, remember, the top six that year. It was top six played in the finals. We finished sixth, um, and we won our first final and then lost our second final, but yeah, it was it was some really um, elite talent there as well. You had Nicky Winmar, you had Tony Lockhart out of the screen. I used to play in the four pocket at times. I felt pretty safe because uh, <laughs> if anybody anybody picked on me, he'd uh, he'd get him in a headlock and uh, they'd pass out. So <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't it was a good place to be. And then, then I'd change on ball with um, Robert Harvey. Harvey didn't like going down the pocket too many times. I can tell you that he. He liked being up and around the middle, so I didn't get a lot of midfield time, but I really enjoyed my time there. I played, I think, I I can't remember if I played 23 games that year.
1: Played 22, Um, including both the finals, yeah.
2: Yeah, I missed one game. I uh, I did a meniscus, so I missed one game for that. But uh, yeah, I played nearly every game that year and um, really enjoyed my journey there.
1: So how, after one year where you've pretty much played every game you've been available for, how do you come to, to, to move on to Brisbane after that? Because you are at Brisbane in
2: 1993. It's a great question. I still don't know to the day, but I've got an inkling what, what actually happened. Um, uh, I had a, a manager, Ricky Nixon, he'd signed me a contract for the year next year. Um, and then they had the March draft, right? So the March draft, I signed up, I think, just after Christmas, then to have a March draft. And then I think Greg Williams come up up, that he was trying to move out of Sydney, and I think St Kilda were trying to to, uh, get after him. And uh, they sort of come to me, to my manager, and said that if I didn't play the first so many games, that um, I wouldn't be able to get my base payment. Yep. So uh, as, as managers, they tell you, well... I was either gonna go back to Tassie or what what could I do? Um and basically it was me, Dale Kickett, there was somebody else left just before the March draft. So it was it was confusing. But as a young player you trust what your managers tell you. So he said he it said you're you're better off um going somewhere else. So that's what I did. Basically and and if I had my time again you, you know, as a matured person you'd probably stay but um, I ended up leaving for those reasons.
1: But the move to Brisbane was for you in, in many ways good, wasn't it? You established yourself as a midfielder in the competition, and um, and, and there were some good times at the um, at the Bears and Lions.
2: Yeah, you no, know, I got to the club when they um, it just moved out of the out of the Gold Coast and moved into Brisbane. Um, it was the Gabba, which used to have the old um, dog track there when they turned into a footy ground. It was in the heart of it had good vibe in town. We had to we had to build a bit of a culture there, you know, we ended up getting some really experienced players, Lynchy, Craig Lambert, Andrew Hughes. Um they all moved to the free club. Um it was a great vibe. And we ended up playing in a preliminary final and we probably should have played in the grand final nine six. We we um we crossed over to the wrong side of the draw and uh we had to play at North Melbourne who won the grand final that year. <laughs> We are probably the second best team, um, but we didn't get there because we had fun in the premier final. So, um, yeah, no, you don't realise you don't get many chances to get to a premier final. And we probably didn't take our chance. Um, we we played good footy all through the year, but we didn't have a great final series.
1: You we had you, you you were playing. Great footy though, weren't you at that stage? Like I think you won A B C Football of the Year at, at at one point and you were very much ensconced as a primary midfielder in the Brisbane lineup.
2: Yeah, I, I was pretty um when I look back now, I was pretty pretty wrapped in that those periods there. When I and I think I'd finished runner up one year to Bossy. I think it was ninety six. I'd come third a few times. Um um I didn't make the All Australian. It Would have been nice on the resume. Didn't get there. I, I got in, uh, Sheehan in the paper, but I didn't get in there on um, uh, on the function night. So that's always plays on your mind that you would have would have been nice to be um, remembered as an All Australian. But I, I did play some really good footy there. I, I really enjoyed my time there. Nineteen
1: ninety seven. What happened, Fletch? You, you got a slow start, and 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 we're playing catch up most of the year.
2: Yeah, we we, um, we had the mer- merger, so they merged as the Brisbane Lions. Um, we, we we had eight new players come into the club, and it was, it was finding that um, that unity, and that unity didn't work that first year, I can tell you, and it didn't work the second year as well. Because I wasn't there, but they finished last in '98. So it's there's, there's more to footy clubs than just um, turning up and playing as a, as a good. You got to you got to want to do it for your teammates or you don't survive in the in the, in the modern game so we didn't have a great year that year so I think we finished 8th and got knocked out by St Tilda in the first final
1: We'll take a break and we'll come back and talk to Adrian about his time at Fremantle who were the club he joined at the start of the 1998 season This is Inspiring Sports Stories thanks to Bower and Do Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything
0: This is Inspiring Sports Stories with Mark Duffield on SEM. Thanks to Bauer and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything.
1: And this is Inspiring Sports Stories thanks to Bauer and O'Day. And we're talking to Adrian Fletcher, of course, who played great footy at four AFL clubs and went on to have a highly successful career as an assistant coach as well. Fletch... What happened at the end of nineteen ninety seven that brought you to the Fremantle Football Club?
2: Oh, look, we it was <laughs> one of those ones that you walk into a meeting, you review at the end of the year. Um, I probably didn't have a great year but I wasn't I didn't think I was the worst player but um I walked into my meeting with John Norvey and, and the coaching group they they um they had Craig Lambert, obviously very similar sort of players to me, so um, they sort of, I was, I was contracted still, and they sort of, sort of said that um, they're going to look around, see if they could trade me, trade me for something to get into the footy pub, something different. And you know, as a player, quite daunting when that, then they have those conversations. But I, once, once a coach says that to you, you know that um, it, it's going to be tough to get a game the next year after because. Obviously, they don't see you fit into the the way they want to want to play the game next year because we probably did the same thing. me and Craig we were always the ball winners, they might want a better balance and um and since I didn't play well the year before, I, I was probably a little fit and duck there for a while, so that that's where that Fremantle conversation come into play.
1: So were the dockers really interested, and were you really interested in them?
2: Uh, they was very interested. They they put a put a um, a three year contract um, to my manager. They wanted to they wanted me as as they needed that fit for their own footy club. Um, and I, I obviously only had a year to go on my Brisbane contract, so it worked out that at twenty seven um, for your family, it was probably the right thing to do at the time with, with the the unknown of, you either fight for another 12 months or you you, you guarantee to make sure you give yourself the best chance to play good footy.
1: Fremantle was still getting set up at that stage. So from memory, uh, you were still preparing sort of in the reserves change rooms down at Fremantle Oval and doing some weights under the old Victoria Pavilion. So it was a it was a fairly primitive setup, wasn't
2: it? Yeah, no, I, I walked in. Uh, you could just feel the passion in the joint. Um, Nishan was the coach. You could see that, um, you know, they wanted that they wanted to be successful, but you knew that, being from where I come from, it was it was a long road. We we had a fair bit to do. Um, we just weren't consistent with our behaviours, probably, um, as a professional group, and it showed up on game day. We'd have good games, we'd have really bad games as a, as a unit. Um, but there was some really good young talent there. When I I remember um, Brody Holland was there. James Clement, Sinclair, um, Black was there. Um, There was some really young talent that you could actually build a footy club around.
1: And, yeah, you're right. They still, in 1998, they still had good performances and and big moments, didn't they? But it it just didn't happen that often. But from memory, Fletch, you had a great season in 1998 individually.
2: I ended up... um, fitting into that midfield and, and playing some really good footy. Um I think I broke my collarbone that year. I missed I think it was against Collingwood at uh, Vic Park. I I missed five weeks but um yeah no, I, I felt really good about myself. I, I think I was contributing. I knew there was a lot of young players, so I had to stand up and be one of the leaders at the club and I enjoyed that. Uh we had Steve O'Reilly, uh, Jason Norris was there. Peter Mann. So we, we had a, we had some really good characters at the footy club, um, and you could see there was enough talent there to build on. But so we we just didn't we just weren't consistent enough week in week out. Clive Waterhouse, there's another one.
1: Yep, Clive. Of course, the the enigma and the icon that he is at Fremantle. So at the end of 1998, yep. <laughs> Jared Neesham goes, and Damien yep. and Damien Drum comes. How much of a shift was that for the club?
2: Yeah, it was a different shift in game plan basically. Nishan played the loose player in defence, which is it was very it was much before its time, you know, the overlap, um the defenders touched the ball more than the forwards touched the ball. But that that was a very um different game style to what the way Drummond wanted to play. He wanted to play that more contested one on one style. Um our first uh his first year it worked really well. But um when they lost their outside run, let those players go and James Clement and um Brody Holland and I can't remember if Sinclair went. Um there was some real good outside run that the club had. Yep. And once they lost that it was the balance was out, you know. They brought in more inside players, which it probably didn't it didn't probably it wasn't the right decision at the time I thought. I thought they should have kept those outside players, with, and they had enough inside players. Hoseby was coming through. Um, Pavlitz was a young player. Uh, the, club was, the club had the, the pieces to actually go forward, but they let a few of them go for some reason. I don't know why.
1: And the high point, I would think, of Drum's first year would have been the derby win against uh, against West Coast in that second derby of 1999. You had a big day that day.
2: Yeah, that was one of the days. Yeah, you, know, you know, Mods was Mods was. He kicked five, um, and we know that it's two team town. Um, we knew that every time you play each other, it, it was it was tribal, <laughs> and I love that about Perth because it is tribal. They're like, they're like finals games, and you really enjoy that that environment as a player. And uh, to beat him the first time, we thought we were movie stars after it down <laughs> there at the left bank. <laughs> it was a good feeling because we we hadn't had a lot of great feelings during that year, but that was probably one of the, the moments that I'll remember forever. Um, everybody just contributed on the day. You know, Brad Weirer kicked three goals. You know, Jason Norris, the um, backline stood up, and um, we beat them hands down on that day. We we got them. Did you it get a, did, did you get
1: a Glendinning Allen Medal retrospectively for your performance in that game?
2: I did, I did, I got it in the mail I think it was two years later <laughs> I got it on the day they didn't have it on the day but I got it it was um, quite surprising but I beat Mods Mods, Mods just, I seen him at a punch and he was spewing. he kicked five and took a couple of hangers
1: yeah he kicked that, that one out. from the forward pocket as well it was a pretty fair goal in uh, in, in damp conditions uh, running deep into the pocket with Ashley McIntosh uh, Ashley McIntosh up his clacker
2: very special. He was a special player. He knew he could do those things. But um yeah, I got him. He wasn't happy.
1: <laughs> what what was it like around Fremantle after that? Because Fremantle people were waiting and they'd been waiting for four years for the day they could beat West Coast.
2: It was an amazing feeling. Um, you know, we, we, we were in the rooms after the game, that was that was that was a good feeling as players and then we went to the left bank and there was you know, the all the T V stations were there. We had to go through the back door. Um, the joint was packed. I think it was a Sunday, was it? it was a Sunday?
1: I think it was a Sunday um, game, yeah.
2: Sunday. So the joint was rocking. It was rocking. And uh, we knew we had to prepare the, the week after and go and play another game. But uh, it was just one of those moments that it's like you won a premiership, And uh, we know we hadn't. But it was just one of those feelings as a, as a group that we broke the, uh, the hoodoo. Of something that's been there for you now for four years, so that that was pretty special. I thought. Of
1: course, the other big derby win that you played in was the Demolition Derby of two thousand. What what do you remember about that day?
2: I remember Gardner, uh, Box, and Pavlich in the goal square. I remember that, <laughs> but that was the start of a game, so that was always going to it was going to be uh, another tribal. Um, and then the, there's, I think they got up by about thirty points. At one stage, and uh, for some reason, um, Kickity thought he'd better take it on himself and see if he can turn the turn the tides. And he he uh, started um, a little dust up, and Clem Michael got involved, and next minute she got out of out of control. So, but we come back. They they lost Reid. Reid went down. I think Matera went down. He ran into the umpire. I think there was another one went down and uh we end up winning by a point and they it's one of the games they keep playing on Foxtel because I think they like the um the little scuffles that were going on during the day.
1: Little scuffles, mate. There was Biffo going on left, right and centre. You you're hosing that down.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think Brad Dodd got somebody and uh yeah, no, it's not not what we um we want to uh yeah, you know, we don't want little kids doing it, but it, it, it just got out of control on the day.
1: It, it looked like it was a a moment the club had to have, though, just sort of like put that big brother, little brother thing to the side. Is that what it felt like?
2: Yeah, no, no doubt. It, it was it was talked talked about um, about during during the pre-game uh, speech that we had to we had to stand up as a club and and, and be men. Um, there's ways you do it. Probably got out a little bit out of control, but we um, we actually wore him down on the day, and we actually um, we stood up that day as a as, as, a, as a strong unit and uh, got the job done.
1: We'll take another break now, and we'll come back to talk to Fletch about the end of his AFL career and his post career because he's had. Uh, another really strong career in football since he's uh, stopped playing AFL footy. This is Inspiring Sports Stories, thanks to Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments, because the little things are everything.
0: This is Inspiring Sports Stories with Mark Duffield on SEM. Thanks to Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments, because the little things are everything.
1: This is Inspiring Sports Stories, thanks to Bauer and O'Day. And we're talking to Adrian Fletcher, former Geelong, St Kilda, Brisbane, Fremantle midfielder and an accomplished assistant coach at several levels, at several clubs, since he finished playing. Fletch, the 2001 season was your last season in the AFL. What do you remember about that? Um, yeah, well,
2: obviously, um, Damien Drum, I think it was round 15, we weren't going so well. He he got he got punted, pushed out, um, and then Benny Allen come in, and then uh, obviously that decision making. There was no one at the club actually um, making long term decisions, so it, it was tough times. Very tough times.
1: You went you went winless for I think it was seventeen rounds, didn't you? Finally beat Hawthorne in about round eighteen that year. That must have been that was it. The Dockland Stadium. That must have been a blessed relief to get that win.
2: Oh, it always is. But um, yeah, it was it was tough yards. We, we were dragging the chain Obviously, I reckon we didn't have any run outside, so teams could run it, run us off our feet. Um, yeah, and if we didn't grind, um, we, we couldn't we couldn't get close to the to the opposition teams.
1: Did you feel that the end was nigh for yourself? I mean you would have been, what, about 30, turning, you would have been 31, I think, during the season, turning 32 at the end of the season. So did you feel like it was coming?
2: Um, I, I knew there was there was um, signs because, obviously, uh, Paul Hagerby was a great inside player. They had Troy Cook. Cook was already, he, he'd had a really good year the year before. So that they probably had their, their inside mid. So it was always been a tough for me didn't have a contract because obviously they were going to go young again. But um, when it came around, I think I had 31 in my last game. It was tough. You know, you played all your 13 years and it all comes to an end and and it didn't come the way you wanted it. But um, you just had to cop it on the chin and and hopefully the boys could take the baton and take the club forward. And, And they did. Those boys did.
1: Did you play in a win in your last game? Because there, a, a, there was a really big win late in the season against Adelaide. Did you play in that game?
2: Yeah, I played that game. That was it. That was my last one. I think I, I think I had 31 on that night. So that was a good one to remember. When you touched it a bit and you win, it was nice.
1: And were you always going to play on? Because you ended up at Williamstown the next year, didn't you? Was that always the, the decision you made to, to keep playing? Or were you sort of weighing up your options at that stage? Oh.
2: I wanted me to come and throw and did the pre-season at Collingwood. So I did. And um, it was out of me and um, Scotty Cummins for a spot on the list, basically. and they played in the 2002 grand final. So Scotty probably was a bit taller than me, and he could play out of the goal screen. They needed a key forward. So it was, it was down to the wire. They, they were really keen. And I did the whole pre-season. I was looking looking pretty fit, and that. Uh, they were pretty confident but uh yeah they just went the other way and that meant I I'd become a um assistant coach at Collingwood in the development role and part of that development role was playing for Williamstown where their young players come through.
1: And you had a great year didn't you at Williamstown, you played great footy. I think you won a a, a Norm Goss medal, is that right?
2: Yeah that that was um I played for two years, two thousand two, two thousand three, so 2003, we won the Premiership, won the medal on the, on the grand final day um, and won a couple of best and firsts there. So, yeah, it was a good club. I really enjoyed it because um, Alan Didak, um, Dane Swan was playing out there at times, Nick Maxwell. Um, there was a lot of those guys coming through as young players that ended up playing in Premiership.
1: With Didak and Swanee there, mate, the social life would have been interesting after games. How was the post-match?
2: Oh, they were pretty young at the time. They were... They were they were pretty good. I mean, it was still allowed in those days—a bit of social, social welfare. Um, social welfare. But they, they, they played good on the day. They always played well on on game day, and um, yeah, they were pretty good players. They were really good players.
1: What sort of coaching aspirations did you have at that time? Did you feel like you might have wanted to be a senior coach, or did you feel like development assistant roles were always going to be the roles you would you would like?
2: No, I I always thought that I'd want to be a senior coach. I love the um I love the game day um, stress of game day, and I I enjoyed analysing the games. Um, and I sat in the box in those two losing grand finals, two thousand two, two thousand three for Collingwood. So there's no more pressure than that. Um, and I and I thought that um, you know. Once you were in the game and you played it, and then you, you could see it from from a coaching point of view, you you give yourself a chance. But I went for two jobs and and didn't get one.
1: So tell us about the coaching journey after Collingwood. Where did it take you after that?
2: I I went. I started there and I was a, a well, I'm sorry, a um, development coach. I did that for two years, and then I went down to um, work down the Bomber as an analyst coach. For 2004, I yep. played in the Premier Final that year, and then Mick, Mick asked me to come back and be the midfield coach for three years, so I we went back there. 2007 was my last last year at Collingwood there. Um, we played in the Premier Final against Geelong and lost by five points. And then I uh, basically, um, Lee rang me up and asked me to come back to um, Brisbane, and I'm, I was up there for a year under Lee, and then five years under Vossi as our assistant coach. So I've been in the game for a long time.
1: And where, where, where did you head after that?
2: I ended up, I ended up changing tax because I, I, I couldn't get a, a senior. Uh, I did, I missed out on a couple of jobs. I went for which way? So which ones did you go for? Fletch. For Richmond went for Richmond and Port Adelaide. Yep. So uh, that got come up, um, but then I went back and I uh, coached the best talent coming through the Queensland program. So I, I coached Harris Andrews, I coached um, Jack Payne, all those types, and I really enjoyed that role.
1: And wh- what are you doing now? what's your What's your main professional job now?
2: I've um, I've started a company called Carbon Chip with a with a a, a guy that's um, Mark Blackberry. He's in he's in the sustainable forest game. We bought a machine out that um, we can turn hardwood into a, a soil amendment and a remediation product, and we we work with the with the councils and and federal government about putting that product back into the into the soil, which which is a benefit, which is um, all that sustainability, and and it's going pretty well at the moment.
1: So obviously, you have a son on Brisbane's list now. Jasper was taken as a father-son pick by Brisbane. What, apart yep. from being a, a, a keen dad, is your involvement with footy these days?
2: The only involvement I have is I go and watch him 12 um, <laughs> o'clock at the moment. He's playing in the uh, Lions Reserves, so I go and watch him about 12. I sit there and analyse his game, but I, I try not to overanalyse it. Um, I'm just trying to be a supporting dad. If he needs <laughs> any any feedback, uh, he'll ring me. If he doesn't, I'll just be there for the next game, week in, week out, and just just watch him develop. And he's going quite nicely. His body's getting stronger, and he's taking the game on, and he's very good in traffic. So, yeah, hopefully he'll get a game in the next month. Uh,
1: he would be good in traffic if he's your boy. Um, and of course, uh, Mum, Norell, was a very good basketballer as well. Where does he get the talent from?
2: We've got Mum's speed. Which is good. He hasn't got my speed. <laughs> that is good. He's got mum's look. He's got mum's look. So He's got two He's two out of three. He's probably got my handball skills. He, he sees it short and long in traffic. Yep. Um, but I think the Apple's dropped pretty close to mum. I think he's got most of mum's attributes. Because he's a good passer as well. she's a three-point shooter. He's got really good perception and, and um, ball awareness.
1: Obviously, you are a Tasmanian by birth. What do you make of the bid, well, the successful bid now for the Tasmanian team, and uh, I guess long overdue from a Tasmanian perspective?
2: I just think it's fantastic. I think it's a fantastic thing for Tasmanian football. Um, it's, it's going to take time to build the build the bridges. We know with footy clubs that start from scratch, um, but to be able to get a, a home game, uh, hopefully down in Hobart with a new stadium against Richmond or a, a big club like Collingwood or, or Carlton, it, it, it's going to it's going to be great for the for the state down there and the, and the opportunity for businesses to to grow, and and it'll just keep going forward and forward. And they're very passionate about their about their footy as well.
1: Do you like the game generally now? What what do you think of the state of the game generally?
2: Yes, I do. I I I think the game. Um, at the start of the season was really really going back to the high scoring, um, kick it, kicking it forward. As the year goes on, you can see that the scores have dropped so that um, coaches get a bit tight and they start to go back into that defensive mode, own the ball sideways, backwards, um, and, and that's where the game struggles. Um, but if, if it's in that forward motion, the way Colin would play, it's a, it's a pretty exciting game.
1: It is it's great to watch isn't it it's um it, it's a, it's getting back to the product that we grew up with and we, and we grew to love.
2: Yeah, very much so. Very much so. And I uh, mean we we want we want scoreboard pressure and we and we want contests. That's what we grew up on. And if the game gives you that, you you'll turn up and watch it.
1: Fletch Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your story. As I said, you were always one of my favourite players being a Frio boy and when uh, you and Bondi and a couple of others arrived in 1998, it felt like a step forward for the club at that particular time. So uh, it's been really pleasing to talk to you and share your story with our listeners. Thanks, Mark. Really
2: appreciate it, mate. Really good.
1: This is Inspiring Sports Stories, thanks to Bauer and O'Day, and we've been talking to Adrian Fletcher. Don't miss out on the little moments, because the little things are everything.